podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. Amanda's on her phone. It must be really interesting. I, I was upload. I had one more picture. I just have to oh, okay. find it and I can't. There it is. I got it. We also have okay. Annie rejoining us. She demanded Say tonight hi. to be part of the party. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Good talk. <laughs> it was a great talk. Thanks for yeah. joining, Annie. <laughs> How are you? Um, oh boy. Well, we've had a we've had a weekend. We so we are recording two days late, three days late. Two days we're late. recording real late because I was ready. So I sent you a picture. Um <laughs> Annie got bit on the eyebrow, which I'm still kind of impressed, at daycare the other day. And apparently the kid was radioactive. Yeah, oh. it was pretty bad. It, does she have special powers now? Uh, yeah, we all got sick this weekend. Oh, okay. So she doesn't, she's more like a super villain superpower getting everyone sick. Yes, definitely. It's not like a chemical X. It's like a chemical... Um, influenza. Yes, thank you. I, the only thing I could think of was chemical explosion or expulsion somewhere in there, which would still be chemical X, but it would be EA. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we caught a stomach bug, and it was it was just bad all around. And then she got sent home from school today, so I had to miss the rest of work, which is like they were cool about it, but I'm stingy with my sick time. So yeah. here we are, and she's just stingy with being without me so she just doesn't want to be cooperative no she's just gonna hang out today okay but are you feeling better i am i think she is um they sent her home like here we go guys sorry for squeamish they sent her home for diarrhea and she like apparently messed up multiple like all of the extra clothes i sent with her and she hasn't had any since she got home (laughs) I, okay, so, sorry. I'm laughing for a couple reasons because the whole thing is kind of funny, but also <laughs> I know how squeamish my dad is. <laughs> sorry, dad. Sorry, podfather. Oh, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> well, she got it all out of her system at daycare. I feel like she did, and like I'm kind of, I'm kind of um, really, really, really thankful. Yeah, I might bring them some donuts or something this week. Okay. But apparently, there is a stomach virus going around. So. Maybe for you. I haven't heard of anything, but I don't leave my house. You know, yeah, I Googled it because because I feel like every time someone gets sick, somebody says that like, oh, well, there's something going around. And this time I Googled it. And apparently as of like. February, March of 2023, there was something going around. So. Gotcha. Well, do you have anything, any other updates? Um, if not, I've got surprises and updates. I don't think so. I, th- I think I think that's it. My radioactive child. Okay. Well, to go along with your radioactive child, I have a <laughs> decrepit dog. Oh. So oh. I had to take him back. So we took him to the vet a couple weeks ago because he just all of a sudden had a bulge on his face. And we're like, what is going on? Oh. Like his face was swollen. Like his eye was almost swollen shut type thing. And uh, he had an abscess under one of his teeth. And oh I had to take God. him back. Yeah, I told you I took him back yesterday, and he had a yeah. tooth removed. Yeah. Guess Poor what the boy. vet let me keep? The tooth? <laughs> the tooth. Oh. Oh, that's a tooth. 
It, so basically they took the tooth because he said it was a slab fracture. That's so slab I, fracture. Yeah, I he basically said that the tooth was cracked. It was already the tooth was already chipped. If he didn't take it, it would just keep getting debris and nastiness up, up in there. So is that how he got the uh abscess was from a cracked tooth? Probably. So so that's um that was the surprise I was going to share with you yesterday. I'm so excited. We're teeth twins. We're well, mine are from a dog, but I'll take okay. it. I do there's four pieces in here, so maybe I'll send it to four different people in my life like what you plan to do with your wisdom teeth. Hey, I think it's a good plan. Okay, done. Except for one friend who just she's actually going to refuse my dying wish, so I might take her <laughs> off the tooth list. Okay. <laughs> you will no longer be her tooth fairy. No. Okay, so that was surprise number one. I'll send you better pictures because I know you probably want better pictures, but Yes, thank you. The, hey, how uh, is he doing? Is he is he doing okay? They were playing tug behind me just a second ago. Oh, he's doing fine. He's fine. He's per he doesn't he got chicken nuggets yesterday. He's fine. Oh yeah, he's living life. Yeah, he's great. He he didn't even know what happened. Every now and then you see him lick where the tooth should be, like there's something missing, but then he goes back to playing. He's fine. Okay, but we do that even as people, where you get a tooth pulled and you're just like, no, yeah, that's actual. So, that's I'm that's, sorry, I'm really sorry that the microphone picked up those noises. <laughs> I'm not; it's staying in. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so he's totally fine. He had his chicken nuggets. He licks at his tooth. Yesterday he was a little bit whiny, um, but I kind of feel like that was fair. He had just come out of anesthesia, which that's another part. This dog is, mm -hmm. he'll be. 11 years old this year so him going under anesthesia to get his tooth pulled our stress levels were through the roof oh yeah i get yeah i completely understand he's yeah. a 77 year old man yeah but mm -hmm. the vet did call and they're like his blood work came back great he came out of anesthesia great like we're we were kind of shocked so i was like oh thank god <laughs> so, okay good so he's a trooper yeah. too yes he is then the other part or other surprise i have for you is i've got an embryo update. Okay, I'm so ready because you told me this the other day and all you told me was like, I have an update, but I'm not telling you. And I'm like, rude. Okay. Okay, well, that was actually a different update. This is like an even better update. So I don't remember, I don't think I told our listeners. I, so I did the egg retrieval last week and okay. they took out a total of 37 eggs. Because you're an overachiever. It's who you are. I am. Yep, I'm an overachiever. It's in my bones. An it's overachiever. Yep. I made the most excellent board. It was <laughs> not over it. easy. Nope. <laughs> but um, they got 37 eggs. They were expecting 20 to 25. <laughs> um, but some of the eggs they got were not mature. So they weren't mature enough to even attempt fertilization. Um, some of them obviously were able to attempt fertilization. And then some of them um, were, they said they were basically dying. By the time they were able, like they had over matured. They were over, over easy. They were over ripe. Okay. Yeah. They were hard boiled eggs, you know, <sighs> whatever. Gotcha. Um, which that was fine. So they called me, I don't know, Friday. And they're like, we were able to uh, fertilize like 10 of the eggs. So we were just waiting until day six. Okay. Well, guess what today is? Is it day six? Today is day six. Okay. And we have another, another we... update. We have a final update of how many official blastocysts, I think that's what they're called, okay. or blasts that we have. And once they're at a, that blast stage, they're considered embryos that they can 
Would you like to take a guess how many? You said they, they had 10 originally? Originally, yeah. Is it nine? Oh, God, no. Oh. Not that impressive. Six. Close. Seven. Oh, hell yeah. You are an overachiever. (laughs) (laughs) We have seven embryos that we can use. We did not choose to do any genetic testing. We don't know if they're boy or girl. We we have no clue. We're we're just Mm going to let them pop one in and surprise us. (laughs) So is it going to be like a Russian roulette where they put them on like a lazy Susan and spin them and you're just like that one? I don't pick the embryologist is going to be like that one. They're going to just close their eyes. It's going to be like the prize hat, you know, with where you choose to draw something out of a hat. Uh huh. They're just going to do it out of the embryo freezing chamber thing. I don't know what that's called. So instead of you telling your child like, yeah, you were a test tube baby. They're really like a, a grab bag baby. They're a test tube grab bag baby. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't care. We were just like, we just, we want it to be a surprise. We don't need yeah. to know if it's a boy or a girl. Um, we just put it in and we'll figure it out. And that also leads me to the next update. Okay. Our first transfer will be early June. So that feels really soon. Feels like it's forever away. It feels like it's a month and a half away, roughly. Yeah. April, May, June. Yeah, that's how months work. Well, yeah. April's almost over though, so it's more like a month. Well, that's why I rough because we got like what a week left of this one, and you said early, so I'm going like a week. So, yeah. So, Are you gonna make a paper chain? No. Okay. Not this time. <laughs> uh, only because I have to do like a lot of. There's a lot of medicine I have to take. There's one oh. where I was looking, and I have to take three pills three times a day. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Are they? I bet they're like huge pills too. Yeah, right? I'm sure they're horse pills. I don't know. I don't have the prescription yet. So here we are. But that's that's my update because I didn't realize how badly I was stressing about the embryos mm-hmm. until they called me and they're like, you have seven. And I said, oh, thank God the answer wasn't zero. With 27, I doubt that you would come back with zero. 37. I said 20, didn't I? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Get it right. Okay. I'll do my best. But you know, I'm not good with math well, or numbers in general i just work in a bank i know and it wasn't necessarily that i was um like they weren't coming back it's just like there's other other issues like your eggs might just not be able to survive past a certain day like you've heard that enough with women where they're like it was my eggs couldn't survive past day two or three or you know so that like that stress and i knew that they would have told me by now if that was the case but i still was like go wrong any second they're just little cells they're just cells right now so um anyways so that's my update but i'm really excited for my story too so i'm gonna go ahead and go over our spiel so if you guys want to follow us on instagram twitter we do post our pictures there twitter is hell on heels pod instagram is hell on heels podcast i post them on facebook as well hell on heels podcast our link tree you can find all the links to all the things facebook twitter instagram whatever um if you just Google Hell on Heels link tree, we'll come right on up for you. Um, we also have our Discord up and going. So if you want to join our Discord, you can join us there. Our Patreon's also up and going. Speaking of Patreon, we need to do another game night of Phasmophobia. Oh, yeah. Or, that was fun. Or Demonology. Demonologist? What? It's basically Phasmophobia, but they have, like, there are key words in that one. So, like, if you call it a bitch, it's more likely to attack you. Oh, 
yeah, I played it with a couple of friends a few days ago. I was the lowest member of the group, so. And okay, I was well, like, I'm staying with someone. <laughs> I died once. That sounds fun. They, I know they have like the keywords, um, and they, I don't know if they have like keywords. I know they have things where like if you talk at certain times or whatever in phasmophobia, the ghost will attack you. Um, but I don't know if they have like keywords where yeah. if you just straight up antagonize it Zach Fagan style, it'll, yeah. it'll antagonize right back. I will say the only time I antagonized in that game is when uh, my friend was like, call it a bitch. <laughs> it was like, okay, get me. Do you understand what's gonna get me? Did no. it get you? Oh yeah, I died at least once. I love it. But um, so anyways, so our Patreon has any game nights that we do, things like that. If you want to email us, you can email us at hellandheelspodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you have suggestions, whatever you want, you can email us there or on Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Uh, I check those as frequently as possible, but I'm a busy gal, okay? So is Amanda. We we busy. Yeah, we're busy. Amanda's got a child. It looks like she's biting you half the time, and then the other half of the time she's just licking you. I think I would prefer the bites, but yeah, she's mostly licking. Um, at least she didn't learn to bite from that little boy that bit her on the eyebrow. Yeah, I'm glad she didn't learn from that. Yeah. What are you done with? We're not. She's done with this podcast. That's what she's saying. <laughs> she's done being held. Yeah. Done. She's like, I want to okay. go watch Powerpuff Girls. You had your choice, Chance. You had an here. option. Yeah, and you threw cheese balls at me. So could have been worse. Could have been like a monkey. Fair point. <laughs> so I think she got rid of all that in daycare today, though. Did she fl- throw it around at daycare or just let it blow out? God, of I hope not. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want to be that mom. That's probably why they were like, "You need to come and get her now." Yeah, she looks real sick, doesn't she? Yeah, she looks real, real sick. <laughs> so tomorrow when you try to take her to daycare, show them this. She was fine. Okay. Yeah. She was she was fine, guys. But they did say that she was trying to sleep all day. And I'm like, oh, that's not my child. I'll be there. <laughs> I'm on my way. You're like, hold on, hold on. Something's yeah. wrong here. Yeah, you're right. That's not something's wrong there. All right. Well, I'm ready for a story if you're ready to tell me a story. So this leads to my little surprise. I have a two-parter. But it's a two. No, don't look at me like that. It's not that kind of two parts. She's clapping. Okay. It's, a two, it's a two-parter where this is the true crime, and then the paranormal for next episode ties into it. Is it Amityville? No, it's not. Oh, it is the Lelori Mansion. <gasps> oh, I'm excited. And today, I almost did. I almost did that for true crime a few weeks ago, and I was like, the brain stirring. I just can't. Oh, there is a lot of um, dramatized. Um, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that's not in here because it was very dramatized later on. Uh, and I did not include any of that. But I can talk about it and we will. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Today, we are going to talk about Marie Delphine Lelori. Can we just start on? Uh, okay. I'm real sorry. There's a lot of real complicated names in here. Okay. I'm going to do my best. It feels like a you problem. Oh, it is. (laughs) So she was born March 19th, 1787. So just a couple of years ago in New Orleans. And at the time, the New New Orleans was still a province of New Spain. And this was until the Louisiana Purchase in April of 1803. So this is way back in the day when New Orleans or 
Louisiana wasn't even Louisiana. It wasn't even the U.S. So we're going way on back there. She was one of five children. Her father, oh God, was Louis Bartholomew de McCarty. Their family immigrated to New Orleans from Ireland in 1730. His name was originally McCarthy. And when they immigrated, you know, they had to shorten it a whole like three letters. So they went from McCarthy to McCarty. Why did they have to shorten it? I don't know. I know I've read about that a lot when people immigrate, their names change. I think when my family came over from Norway, they actually changed the spelling. I don't really understand why, except that we're Americans and names are hard. Okay, the way you said it, I thought like someone told them you have to shorten this three letters. Chop it off. No, I, that might be. I don't know. I don't know how immigration works. I'm very ignorant to that. That's but... why I was confused. I was like, why did they have to shorten it? What US, like what policy was in place? I don't know. I really don't. I don't maybe they just did it. Um, but it was actually McCarthy, like M-A-C-C-A-T-H, which I love. And they took that off and they just went with the M-C. McCarthy? Mm-hmm. McCarthy. So um the her uh so her mother, Marie. Jeanne La Arabelle. I'm not sure. Um, she was also known as the Widow LeCompte because her marriage to McCarty was her second marriage after her first husband died. And her family was traced back to one of the, I'm sorry, Delphine LeLaurie's family. They were traced back to one of the first families to settle in New Orleans. So very prominent people, very rich people. They were New Orleans, basically. Uh, her, and it wasn't just her parents that were prominent. She had an uncle who was governor of Spanish America, oh, the governor of Spanish American provinces of Louisiana and Florida from 1785 to 1791. And her cousin was the mayor of New Orleans from 1815 to 1820. So she was rich. And her family was very much the socialites that ran the city during these days. They were well off. They, yes. They were, you know, up, upper middle class. No, they were, they were the top class. They were the class. Yes, they were the class. Because everybody's paying attention. Class? Delphi Lelori. <laughs> the Lelori. Meet our new student. Or not the Lelori's, I'm sorry, the McCarty's. Get your crap together. I really try, but if the medicine can't, I don't know how you expect me to do it. On June 11th, 1800, Delphine married a high-ranking Spanish royal officer. She was about 13 years old at the time. Uh, his name was Don Ramon de Lopez y Angulo, I think. After the U.S. acquired Louisiana, Don Ramon was appointed to Consul General of Spain in uh, in territory of New Orleans. Now, from what I read, him marrying Delphine was like a big time no-no because back in these days, since he was a government official, he had to have the government's permission to marry. And most of the time, when they would ask the government, like, hey, can I marry this lovely young woman? The government would be like, yeah, we don't care. Well, he was so in love with Delphine, he just married her. He asked permission, and before he got it, he married her. So this caused some drama in the workplace with some people that wanted his job and he ended up getting fired. So they immediately called him back to Spain 
And on the way to Madrid in 1804, Don Ramon suddenly died in Havana. And days after he died, Delphine gave birth to their daughter, Marie Borgia Delphine Lopez y Angulo de la Candelaria, nicknamed Borquita. Borquita. Yes. I think I said all that right. I do want to say, though, Candelaria is such a pretty name. From my understanding, that's like a an older, like, Hispanic name. And I just think yeah. it's really pretty. I know a woman with that name, and she does not like it, but I love it. I think it's really pretty. I, I think, for me, I keep thinking, like, Candelabra. That's what I thought at first. And I had to ask her, I was like, is it Candelaria or Candelaria? And I think she said she does like, it doesn't really matter. It's just up to the person. Yeah. So after giving birth to Borquita, Delphine returned to New Orleans. In June of 1808, Delphine remarried. This time she married a man named Jean Blanc. He was a banker, a merchant, a lawyer, a slave owner, a legislator. Again, money. Money marries money. After marrying Blanc, they bought a house at 14, or excuse me, he bought a house at 1409 Royal Street in New Orleans, and they called it the Villa Blanc. They went on to have four more children. So they already have Marie Borgia, or Borquita, or Borgia. So with John Blanc, they had Marie Louise Pauline, Louise Marie Loray, Marie Louise Jean... Jean, Jeannie, Jeanne, and Jean-Pierre Pauline Blanc. So all the girls are named Marie. All the girls are Marie. Do they go by their middle names? Because that's going to get real confusing when Marie number one is in trouble. That's what I thought. But also, if you're like calling them to dinner, it's just like Marie, Jean-Pierre, dinner, and everyone comes running. Uh, Except for Borquita. I guess if she went by Borquita, I guess they. Which I don't know why. She got a nickname and all the other ones, like, I don't know how this worked back then. I don't, I don't know. I just think about, like, when your parents are mad and they're interrogating all of you saying, who done did it? And all the Maries are like, we don't know which Marie you mean. Well, imagine being poor Borquita, where they're like, Jean-Pierre Paulin Blanc, and then she gets, like, Marie Borgia Delphine Lopez y Angelo de la Candelaria. Like, I would be, I would have a heart attack by the time they get to the end of my name. You would have already been dead. They would have started yes. saying your name. They would have gotten to your second, the second part of your name, and you would have already been dead. Exactly. Yeah. In 1816, John Blanc died, leaving Delphine a widow again for the second time. So June 25th, 1825, Delphine remarried her third and final husband. Leonard Louis Nicholas Lalori. And he was a doctor. He was 15 years younger than she was. Get it, girl. He was 23, and Delphine would have been around 38 at this time. In 1831, she bought and managed property at 1140 Royal Street with little involvement from her husband, which gasped because at the time that is just absolutely unheard of. A woman buying property? How dare she? What are you? What are you thinking? Harlot. What are you thinking? Now, a year later, in 1832, she had a two-story mansion built there with a slave quarters attached. 
Delphine and her newest husband moved in with their with two of their daughters. I don't I could not find which two daughters she moved in with. I assume it was maybe the youngest because I know women got married pretty early back then. So and that was completely acceptable. So I assume that maybe the other kids were already off on their own and married. Now, Delphine was said to have been the center of socialites in this home. She threw the grandest parties. Everybody wanted to be a part of them. But her marriage pretty quickly fell apart. Neighbors reported hearing frequent yelling coming from the house. And it's speculated that there was an imbalance of power in the marriage that might have fueled this fire. Louis LaLaurie was said to have brought about $2,000 to the family. Which back in like the 18, 1825, 1800s, that's, you know, pretty good. I did not do the conversion, but not to, not 2000 today. Um, but Delphine, after being born into a rich, prominent family and being widowed twice, she brought more than $66,000. So people Dang. think uh, maybe Louis, uh, maybe Mr. LeLaurie might, might, might have had a little bit of problem with this. This is why, y'all, remember when I started putting her to sleep and we started recording late? This was why. Yeah, I, I remember, but I we just decided to go for it tonight. <laughs> so November 16th, 1832, Delphine actually petitioned the court for a separation from her husband. And she petitioned the court. This was her her reasoning. Quote, uh, Mr. LeLaurie treated her in such a manner as to render their living together unsupportable. Basically, he abused her, and her son and two daughters supported this claim. There was also a neighbor named Jean Bose. Okay, he was gossipy. We like him. Okay. He once he... wrote to his friend in France. Okay, I say once. There's a lot of records of him writing to this friend in France. But on this instance. Yeah. In this one particular instance, in this one letter, he wrote to her, they do not have a happy household. They fight, often separate, and then return to each other, which would make one believe that someday they will abandon each other completely. Now, Delphine Leilori, she grew up owning slaves. And between 1816 and 1834, records show that she owned 54. There were also records that she honored her second husband's dying wishes by emancipating their slave, Jean-Louis. Now, she did this three years after her husband's death, but she did eventually do it like he had wanted. People also claim that she was not rude. She was very nice to um, African-American people that she met while in public. Um, and they also claim that they never saw her being rude or out of the way to her slaves. Now, <clears throat> I say this because people also speculate that after she married Mr. LeLaurie and he began abusing Delphine, people believe that she started taking her frustration out on their slaves. In 1828, it was a common rumor among the neighborhood that Delphine LeLaurie was exceedingly cruel to her slaves. And while owning slaves was legal, at the time, there was a law in Louisiana that forbid excessive cruelty to these slaves. So, like, it's still icky, but I guess less icky? Uh, I don't I don't know. At least abuse, like, if you're going to look on the bright side, which the whole thing, there's not a bright side, but yeah. you know, there were protections in place. Yes. 
The only question I have is how well did they enforce these protections? Well, I'm glad you're, you ask. Uh, I actually have an example of that. So our gossipy neighbor, John Bose, he also wrote to his French friend, Adele Delph- Delphine's barbarous treatment of her slave. Are you laughing at her saying, uh-oh? You were trying to say French friend, and my brain went, he, he wrote to his French fry. He wrote to his French fry. Is that funny? Oh, no. Okay, I'm sorry. That's the, you know <laughs> what French fries are. You would appreciate it more. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. That's, that's why I was giggling okay. is because my brain went French fry. He, he wrote to his French fry um, talking about Delphine's barbarous treatment of her slaves. He said that she had them incarcerated, letting them be given only the bare necessities. He also said that Delphine Lailori had been taken to criminal court over the treatment of her slaves. There were more rumors that she would beat her daughters for giving the slaves food. And her slaves were reported as looking wretched and haggard. Wretched, excuse me. And haggard. Wretched. That's how we say it in the South. Wretched. They were looking wretched and haggard. I did not choose those words. They were exact quotes. So... All except for one, and that was her coachman, Bastian. And he was very well taken care of. Um, I wonder why. He was well fed and well clothed. He was always extremely loyal to Delphine. And people speculate that this was either because they were um, in a relationship or he was a spy quote-unquote, he would go to her and kind of rat out the slaves if they were planning anything. Uh, It was also believed that he would help her abuse the slaves. Could it have been, and I don't know, I don't know, it's been a while since I've heard the whole story, but could it have been more of a, for appearances for her as well? Like if her, what was his? He was her coachman. So yeah, whenever she went out on the streets, he was the one Yeah, so he's like the face Mm-hmm. Yeah. So could it have been that he was well cared for so that she could also put on an act and be like, no, I take great care? It could have been, but you got to remember, she also threw these parties all the time. So people would see the other slaves in her household as well. But as far as like her being out on the street and the majority, I would say the majority of New Orleans, they would see Bastion with her. So it could be for appearances too. Yeah. Um, other rumors include a lawyer being sent to the LaLaurie house to remind them that cruelty to slaves was illegal, but during this visit, he found no evidence of mistreatment. After the lawyer had visited the house, neighbors witnessed a young slave girl named Leah, who was said to be about 12, fall to her death off of the roof of the house. And the story goes, she was brushing uh, Delphine's hair when... She accidentally hit a snag and pulled too hard. And this was enough to really set Delphine LaLaurie off. And she grabbed a bullwhip and chased the girl through the house until Leah either fell or flung herself off of the roof of the house to escape punishment. And I'd she was, myself off too. Oh, I would. You got a bullwhip? Yeah, I would too. Especially when we get into, uh, this isn't even the meat. This is just the potatoes of the story. And later that night, neighbors reported seeing her. Uh, 
I believe the woman said they picked up her body and her limbs just like hung like they were all broken. Uh, and they reported seeing her being buried later that night in the garden. This led to another investigation, which actually resulted in the LaLauri's being found guilty of illegal cruelty. And the court forced them to sell nine of their slaves. But Delphine LaLauri sold them to family and friends and eventually bought every one of them back. And the court either did not know this or looked the other way. That part was unclear. Now, regardless of this separation that she requested from the court from Mr. LaLaurie, on April 10th, 1834, Mr. LaLaurie was at the mansion when a fire started in the kitchen. First responders found the 70-year-old cook chained to the stove by her ankle, and she told authorities she was allegedly pissed that they came to help because she. She told them that she started the fire as a suicide attempt out of fear of retribution. She wanted to die in that fire. And she said that slaves that entered the uppermost room never came back out. As witnesses, it's, yeah, it's terrifying. It, that's less literally stuff of nightmares or of like scary movies. You know, if you go into this room, you never come back out. As witnesses started gathering around the flaming building, Witnesses started gathering on the street because this is New Orleans. The house is like in the center of the French Quarter. Um, as people started gathering on the streets, the Lelouris started directing them into their attached home that was not on fire to have them save paintings and furniture before the fire spread to their house. Um, priorities. Yeah, not in order. Not in my opinion. One of the key witnesses was Judge Kanong. Probably not saying that right, but I'm doing my best, y'all. He lived across the street, and he was trying to help the day of the fire. So Judge Kanong approached Mr. Lailori about saving the slaves instead of furniture. And Mr. Lailori told him to mind your own business. Mind your beeswax. Yes. <clears throat> actual quote right there mind your beeswax is that how he said it too yes because now we're in boston oh, okay so i was nowhere near how he said it cool i think that's boston the mind you mind your beeswax so luckily judge kanong he gathered some volunteers <sighs> and he was like forget y'all i'm a good person and he said about trying to help the slaves trapped in the slave quarters um, this is when they found a door at the top of the stairs with a padlock. While trying to gain access to the door, it's rumored that Mrs. LaLaurie tried to physically stop it from being opened until they eventually just broke the door down. They found slaves chained to the walls, starved, beaten. Judge Kanong later said that they found a woman wearing an iron collar. An old woman who had received a very deep wound on her head who was too weak to be able to walk. Newspapers from the Times reported eyewitness accounts of the scene. The courier reported that it was an appalling sight, their bodies covered with scars and loaded with chains. They also described a man with a hole in his head filled with worms. The B, which I believe was a, a magazine from the time, and to be fair, I believe it was kind of like a 
like a sensationalized like you remember the magazine from the 90s that was like princess diana actually alive when it wasn't yeah she wasn't yeah i think it was one of those like the tabloid type things yes thank you that's what i was looking for the tabloids they did describe however seven slaves more or less horribly mutilated suspended by the neck with their limbs stretched and torn from one extremity to the other and Mm -hmm. when word of what the men found spread to the people gathered on the street they were pissed they very quickly formed an angry mob and they ransacked the lalori house they demolished and destroyed everything that they could lay their hands on when sheriff's officers I appreciated the wordage here. It said when sheriff, when the sheriff and his officers were required to disperse the crowd, they said that barely anything was left in the house except for the walls. So wait, they were like, no, go for it until they tell us we have to disperse you guys. Not our problem. That's what I read. Yeah, they were like, okay, I guess we technically have to stop these people. So... I imagine them them just grabbing one person at a time and being like, hey, you can't be here. While everyone just goes ham. Shoo-shoo. Let us escort you all the way (laughs) off the premises. What's wild to me is while this is happening during the mob, uh, Madame LeLaurie was said to have escaped. She had Bastion pull the coach around and she walked outside climbed into her coach and this is when people were like trying to get her they were clambering at the coach and bastian allegedly started whipping them and trying to get them away now this feels a little like sensationalized to me uh but it is how it was reported in multiple places multiple sources they eventually did get the coach away and they traveled to the waterfront i believe it's uh, Lake Pontchartrain, and that's the last time she would see Bastion. She traveled by boat to, it was, uh, she eventually made it to Mobile, Alabama, where she met up with her husband and the rest of her family. From Mobile, they made their way to New York, and they eventually settled in Paris, and it was said that the rumors of what happened were so scandalous that they reached New York before the Leilories did. So they got there, and instead of being like these fancy, well-to-do socialites, they were already shunned and people were disgusted with them, especially in New York, where people were disgusted with slavery in general. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, So, now that my child has thrown cheese balls all over the place. She went hand in, pulled it out like it was freaking confetti. Yeah. She was like, we're not messing around here. We're talking Louisiana here. (sighs) (laughs) Look at her wipe off the evidence, too. Exactly, yeah. She's just sitting here brushing the cheese dust off of her leg. Um, So the slaves that were rescued from the Lailori mansion, as if they haven't been through enough, they were taken to to the local jail where they were available for public viewing. Wait. Uh Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, what? The New Orleans Bee reported that by April 12th, up to 4,000 people's, people's, up to 4,000 people had viewed them. 
The fire was on April 10th. That's 4,000 people in two days just coming by to gawk at these people. Who have been tortured. Mm-hmm. Yep. Madame LeLaurie, as far as we know, lived the rest of her life in Paris. She never had to answer for her crimes. Records state that LeLaurie died in Paris in 1849, and it's rumored that she died while hunting wild boar. Feels fitting, uh, but that is just a rumor. We don't know that that's true. Uh, rumors say that she either secretly returned to New Orleans or she was exhumed after death and returned to be laid to rest in her home. There is in New Orleans St. Louis Cemetery one. There's a plate on a tomb that reads Madame LeLaurie, nay Marie Delphine McCarty, died in Paris 7 December. 1842. Now, that is the end of the story of Delphine Lelori. I told you we're going to talk about some of the um, more, I guess, scandalized the things. Gla- not glamorized, the um, sensationalized, yes, maybe exaggerated. I got you. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that next week when I tell you about the mansion itself and how spooky scary it is. Spooky, spooky. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, these are the facts that I found that were reported as fact, I guess, as fact as we have, being that she was never tried. Uh, So I wanted to make sure, because there's a lot of misinformation out there, especially since um, American Horror Story kind of focused some of their, I think, a season on her or focus on her. They did a lot of what Hollywood does and dramatized it. So I wanted to keep it as close to the truth as possible in this one okay gotcha gotcha i don't like any of it because it kind of is all crap yeah i i don't i don't like her at all i think she's ugly she was touted as a beauty of her time i think she looks plain maybe that's maybe nobody else looked like that i shouldn't be defending her i'm just saying you're being a little critical well she was a, a trash can so Okay, valid. Yeah, so I don't have to be nice to her. Valid. Well, I have a story for you. It ended up being a lot shorter than I anticipated because I was... Okay, correction. It ended up being longer but shorter than I anticipated. I was going to do like a collection of of cryptids, but I happened to find one that I just kept going with. I don't know what it is, but I'm here for it. (laughs) So I'm assuming you've seen the pictures. Uh Uh-huh. You are seeing pictures of a chick charney. Huh? A chick charney. That's how I'm saying it. I could be saying it wrong. Chick charney? Uh, chick charney. Oh, okay. I like chick charney. I don't know. I kind of love the chick charney. <laughs> just, I kept finding more information on them and I just kind of love them. So, a chick charney, they're said to be found on the Andros Island of the Bahamas. So, first of all, Ooh, like okay. they are tropical, you know. Sign me up. So it's a mythical creature that resembles an owl. And I will say owls are like my, I don't like birds. You guys know I don't like birds. Mm -hmm. I like owls. Oh, okay. They're not in the bird category for me. So (laughs) I like owls. Anyways, um, the lore of the Chicharney is heavily based in the folklore of Andros. And in this folklore, they believe that the creatures are elfin humanoid creatures so they're not actually birds, but they re- still resemble the birds. They're just like these elfin creatures. The creature is said to live in forest 
It's claimed that they create their nest by tying the top of two pine trees together. And then that's where they live. Oh, okay. So we got a nest here. We got a nest. Yes. They ain't messing around. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, it's said to be furry and or feathered. Some claim that they're covered in very fine feathers that create the appearance of fur. So that could be where it's the furry or feathered. They stand about three feet tall. That's all? Yeah, they're shorties. Okay. Um, they have three to four toes. Most sources say three toes. And they have three fingers. And you might be wondering where these fingers are. I was exactly wondering. Yes, thank you. They're said in some some descriptions, they are said to have humanoid arms tucked under their wings. Oh, I hate that. No, don't thank you. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So three fingers on their little tucked away arms. No biggie. (laughs) Their legs are proportionately longer. Like, and just, you will see these pictures and their legs are like a model. They are the models of the owl world. Oh, okay. So they got like the slender. Those nice slender legs that all the model, I don't know. I'm just throwing shit out there. But their legs are also said to be super strong. Uh, They have longer tails, red eyes. Many reports claim that the Chicharney can turn its head a full 360 degrees around. Absolutely not. Yeah, some say it's not the full 360. Some's like, it's only like 270. And I'm like, who measured? Okay, that's too much still. <laughs> Who's over there with a protractor measuring how? I don't think that's how you measure. I don't know. A protractor? <laughs> it's a pro- protractor. <laughs> protractor? <laughs> yeah, protractor. That's when you're really good at driving the tractor. You're a protractor. <laughs> you're a protractor. Sorry, my South Alabama came out first. I saw. I heard it. Don't you worry your little head about that. Um, Sorry, I'm stuck on protractor. Um, Anyways, most... Here's the other part. So I said they were like the models, their long legs. But most people describe them as really ugly. Oh, rude. (laughs) I know, right? What did they do to you? But most people are like, no, they're ugly. Get them away. I think they're cute. I enjoy them. They're said to hang like upside down from tree branches with their toes. Kind of like a a possum, but with their toes and not tails. I knew that one would get to you because we Uh talked about it last week. Nope, I don't like it. They just take their toes and just hang upside down. They could pinch the shit out of you with those toes (laughs) and I hate it with those three toes. I'm sure that they could and they would do it just to piss you off. They are considered flightless. From most sources, so they they can walk around and climb trees, but they do not fly. Now, the Chicharney, they're said to be pretty mischievous creatures. But overall, they're relatively peaceful, peaceful, but they, they can also be aggressive. So, like, they're a mix. Normally, they're normally, normally, they're normally. Um, normally, they're pretty peaceful, but they can be kind of dicks. Now, the locals believe that they like bright colors, and they actually urge anyone walking into the woods to just wear bright colors. I think that's raccoons and bull. Uh, and Chicharney. It's said that if you come upon a Chicharney and you treat them well and you treat them with respect, you will be rewarded with good luck. Right? So, like, befriend them like a leprechaun, dad, and they'll give you good luck for the rest of your life. And maybe beer. 
Um, they do not provide beer, but you'll be lucky enough to get all the booze, I guess. But it's said, on the flip side, if you're kind of a jerk to them or laugh at their appearance or call them ugly, you're going to have bad luck and will likely fall on hard times. Okay, then why do people keep calling them ugly? <laughs> I don't know. It's I straight up, it's like, if you call them ugly... They're going to ruin your life. And people are like, they're so ugly with their <laughs> arm wings and their three toes. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Because to me, I don't think they're ugly. I think they've got some character. I agree. I think so, they're cute. I like owls. Yeah. See? Anyways, so I don't know why people would call them ugly. Now, if a chick charney is particularly offended by something you said. Nice knowing you. Oh. See you later. Uh, it's said that they are able to violently and forcibly twist a person's neck all so the way around. They make sure you have 270 degree rotation. They actually make sure you have the 360. Oh, okay. Okay. They go the extra. <laughs> they go yeah. the extra mile. Yeah. Um, so just don't don't piss off a Chicharney, right? Like, tell it it's beautiful, because they are, and they give are. it something brightly colored. So, I'm still kind of confused. You said people say that if you're going out in the woods... I'll get to... I'll get to it. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, some reports state that the previously mentioned outcomes, so either the good luck or bad luck, only work if you're an adult. If you're a child, you're kind of SOL. Um, some believe that the Chicharney would come out of the forest to snatch sleeping children, likely to eat them, but nobody knows for sure. Right, 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 right. See, if you don't act right, a Chicharney is going to come eat you in your sleep. Uh, no. She said, bye. <laughs> bye. She's like, okay, come on, bring it. <laughs> now, the Andros Islanders uh, were once so fearful of the creatures, they would carry flowers, clothes, or other gifts with them. And this was just in case they bumped into a Chicharney, they would have a way to charm the creature and keep their heads on straight. Because they believed that the Chicharneys, they liked bright colors and they enjoyed bright cloth and bright flowers, they, they believed that the Chicharney just really was attracted to the, these different things that you could give them to kind of charm them and win them over. So that's why they would say wear brightly colored clothing, because if you encounter one, then you have like a, something to give them. Or they're more likely to give you good luck. Okay, so it's like, hey, please don't twist my neck. I'm wearing this great neon orange tank top over here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Basically. And the locals believe that these creatures are very powerful, and they blame them for the failure of a plantation. Maybe you just suck. Well, I mean, if these stories are true, then Neville Chamberlain, never Chamberlain deserves it. Oh, okay. So Neville Chamberlain, he actually was a prime minister in England. From what I found, it was in the late 1930s that he was the prime minister in England. But according to the story, his father would send him to the Bahamas to establish a plantation. Now, in one version of the story, Neville openly scoffed and laughed at the Chicharney. For what? Or whatever, like he didn't really believe in them, and he was like, "Oh, okay, the Charney." What did they do to you, Neville? I don't know, but that kind of pissed them off. Another version is that when Neville arrived, he was very ambitious, 
And he okay. would clear a significant amount of land, which was believed to be home to some Chicharni. And in this version, the Chicharni were less than thrilled with the destruction of their home. You took their hand, yeah. You Did you not see the knotted pine trees at the top? Or the knot at the top of the pine trees here? They were clearly home. It's there for a reason, so. Yeah. Well, like I said, they were less than thrilled. And the Chicharni would cast misfortune on the plantation. And the plantation as a whole would fail. And it was actually a complete financial disaster for Chamberlain. They were in, like, very steep debt from this failure of a plantation. Uh, other sources say it's just because what they were trying to plant was not going to thrive on the Andros Island. I like the Chicharmi theory better, but, I mean, what do I know? I like anything that makes them look dumb. Yeah. They're yeah. rude. They sound rude. Yeah. Another man, Billy Boleg. <laughs> okay. Okay. He already sounds like a winner. He is. He was actually said to be adopted by the Chicharney. <gasps> okay, hold up. I take back everything I thought about him. It's Billy Boleg. Come on. What could what could you possibly think negative about him? But he has Nothing. Legs. It doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, I thought, like, with how the last story went, I thought this was going to be another negative story. So no. I was going to make fun of him. But if he got adopted by the Chick Charney, he's he has to be a good person. Yeah. So, I mean, he was adopted, right? Mm -hmm. He's he is something else. So reportedly, he was kept with the Chick Charney for five years old. Not for five years old. For five years, he was taken as a teen. And when he would return, he actually received a lot of uh, or a positive reputation as an adept healer. And he would be oh. become known as Billy Boleg, the great Seminole medicine man? He, he became a medicine man. Okay. So Billy Boleg over here is, he's doing great. He sounds like he's thriving and I'm here for it. Yeah. So I mean, he never called the Chicharney ugly. He was probably like, you Chicharnies are beautiful creatures. Mm -hmm. You're so wholesome and wonderful. Thank you for taking me in. When I needed someone most. Exactly. So beautiful, wonderful creatures. So those are the two stories that I could find, which first of all, I loved. Love those two because Neville got what was coming to him, but Billy Boleg, bless him. He got what he was coming to him. <laughs> right. Now there is one man, Bruce G. Marcotte. He claims that the legend is likely based on a prehistoric barn owl called the Taito Pullins. Uh, the remains of the creature have been found in the Bahamas. Its physical description for them, aside from the arms and the legs, um, it matches, you know, an owl. <laughs> um, it was flightless from most sources that I could find. But regardless of the origins, there are still so many sightings of the Chicharney in modern day times. Uh, and I just love it. So people of the Andros Islands, will often say they see the Chicharney. A lot of people say it's just an owl, whatever. But the Chicharneys, you can also refer to them as chickies. And I love them so much. And I know this was super short, but how can you not love a good Chicharney? No, I enjoyed absolutely every minute of it. Um, because I'm like you, I like owls, so I really liked this story. And Mr. Um, what was his name? Mr. Neville? Realistic. No, Mr. Realistic. 
Oh, Bruce G. Marcotte? Yeah, shut up, Bruce. <laughs> it's a chick charney. Please stop trying to say it's some prehistoric creature. Yeah, right? Like if it was if it was an owl, it wouldn't have arms and it wouldn't have those legs. Those legs. Yeah. Right? They go for days. Yes. And if chick charneys aren't real, why are all the pine trees tied together? Exactly. Hmm. You exactly. got an excuse for that, Bruce? He probably does. But anyway, so that is my story of the Chicharnies. Now, I do want to say I found them because I was Googling good luck cryptids. And they are the first one that popped up. Oh, good. I like that. Usually they're all like Harbinger of Doom. <laughs> I mean, they can be. They can turn your neck 360. If you're rude. Just don't be rude. Or you're not wearing a pink shirt. <laughs> I mean, you can still wear a pink shirt and be rude. Uh, true. Look at the Mean Girls. I'm just saying. But anyways, that's all I've got. Any questions, comments, concerns? I'm concerned that we're not uh, planning, actively planning a trip to the Bahamas to see the, these fuzzy feathered wonders. Bahamas, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, the Bahamas. Okay, Andros Island specifically. Yeah, Andros Island. I think we should go. Let's do it. Yeah. Dad, you didn't hear that. We're going to the Bahamas. Yeah. The Andros Island to get a tan mm-hmm. and see the trick if we go, like, pretty soon, I don't think I have to buy a ticket for her. I think she can just ride in my lap or something. Which doesn't feel safe, that kids can just, like, ride in your lap on an airplane? I don't know what to tell you there. Is that real? Is that how that works? Mm-hmm. What if, like, turbulence happens, and now your kid's on the ceiling? Sounds like a, your kid problem. Oh. Concussions are fine, right? That's probably fine. I've had one before. I lived. She, she'll be fine. Yeah. Just don't let her bounce out of your arms. You are her seatbelt. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. Oh, you know what? I've got like a baby Bjorn thing. I'll wear that. She ain't going nowhere without me. Done. Okay. Cool. We've got it all planned out. We just got to pack. Done. Packing. Make sure to wear or bring brightly colored clothes. Okay. I'm we'll going to have pick- to go shopping. We'll pick flowers while we're there. Just Amazon everything. Oh, I can send it straight to the islands. Perfect. Okay, yeah. Because everything I have is pretty monochromatic, so. Do you see this? I see this. I understand. You just, we wear pink on Wednesdays. Just remember that. Yes, okay. Okay. I'm going to have to get, actually, she has pink. So I'm not, like, pushing my beliefs on my child of, like. Actually, she can't go. Because. (laughs) What if I just sleep with her in the baby Bjorn, too? I don't know how that's going to work. But. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'm just saying, she can't go to find... I mean, she can't go and pick flowers with us. No. She'll have to stay... I'm sure that we can find a hotel with a play place. Like a daycare. Drop her off at a McDonald's. Oh, yeah. She'll be fine. We'll be back in, like, two hours. Don't go home with any strangers. It's fine, because she (laughs) is terrified of her grandparents, and they're not even strangers, so... So... She'll just scream at anyone that comes near her and the staff will be like, who the hell's child is this? We'll just, we'll like staple a note to her shirt. Be back. (laughs) Be back. Be back in two hours. And they'll be like, when was this left? How long has this child been here? If lost, please call. Actually, now that I think about it, that wouldn't work because she's like super friendly. Like me and James are very like, um, 
introverted, like let's stay home, like make plans and then cancel them and stay on the couch, people. And then we go to Walmart and she's waving and saying hey at everybody that walked past. And we're like, who are you? And where did she's you come from? She's trying to get you and James to get out of your shell. She's like, you know what? We could be partying it up. And here we are at home. Uh, that's except what daycare for t- is for. Except for nights like tonight where she gets to see Auntie Bryce. Yes. Although right now, I'm sorry. Seeing two is completely engulfed her. That's fine. It's the best that's babysitter fine. we have. Listen, all I know is her reaction upon seeing me was great it was fine yeah she hasn't seen auntie bryce in a while because she's been asleep when we record so i'm sorry i, tr- I tried to point at you but i just nah. got in her way now nah, we're we're fine right now but all right thank you all for listening to helen hills podcast to see pictures from this episode you can follow us on instagram at helen hills podcast twitter at helen hills pod or facebook by searching helen hills podcast you can also find us on linktree by typing in helen hills podcast if you want to support us please like, like review rate share and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms if you want to take your support one step further so we can create additional content for you, you can do- donate through Patreon, where we're working to release specials for our patrons. Um, if you have your own true crime or paranormal story suggestions or words of encouragement, please email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye! Bye! Goodbye. Bye-bye. Adios! Bye-bye. She's like, shut up. She's like, take me to bed, mom.